0: What's that smell? And they say that it's warmer in there, right? Yeah, by like 50 degrees. And I was like, it's breath? I don't know, like, don't make it self conscious though. Like, your guys are the assholes here. Yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Hour the Hundred podcast brought to you by the Afficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 25 year old actor and drama instructor. I like rooting anti heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. You can follow me personally at Robin E Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And our fun fact for this episode is: What is your favorite alien, or like who is your favorite alien? And I was flip flopping between Experiment Six to Six, also known as Stitch from Lilo and Stitch. Oh, but Pleakly. <laughs> anyway, I I settled on the aliens from Toy Story. A quality choice. But now I'm now I'm considering also flipping back to Pleakly. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna go with Pleakley. I respect that choice. Thank you. And my name is Samantha Coley. I'm a 27-year-old marketing coordinator and television critic. I'm a senior writer and social media specialist at Telltale TV. I like over 40s OTPs and making playlists. I'm on Twitter at Casey's where you can find me yelling about television and fangirly middle-aged actresses. My favorite alien comes as no surprise to anyone. But it's Deanna Troy. But I also really love Baby Yoda, even though Robin does not. I'm sorry that my opinions are controversial. I just (laughs) truly find Baby Yoda terrifying in a way that regular Yoda is not. Baby Yoda looks like he's going to bite my nose off and scratch off my kneecaps. Like, he's terrifying, and I don't see why everyone else doesn't see this. He's so little, he just goes, ah. His eyes look like demon eyes. (laughs) He's terrifying. Lee adorable. Mm. In a way that the aliens on this episode of The 100 are not. Correct. (laughs) Um, Also, Brittany's not here this time. She's out in the living room, but uh, you'll be okay. It's just us, but that's all right, right, you guys? Yeah, you guys like us, right? (laughs) Yeah. Today we have words to say about episode 706 of The 100, Nakara. So, um, yeah, Nakara is the planet that we don't actually spend that much time on. We spent about five minutes there. So, uh, we'll start with thoughts from listeners, like we usually do. Um, first of all, I wrote some of my own notes after, uh, you know, we, I like to re-listen to the podcast that we last did after I've seen the episode. Um, so, um, my first thing that I wanted to bring up was the the name The Conductor. Do you think The Conductor is about electricity? or music why did why is it called the conductor I was wondering. Ooh. Because if it's like electricity, then it's like kind of something that's going, it's something like it goes, it goes through, through them. them. And a conductor in it the can, music way is kind of like the... yeah Leads it? Yeah, exactly. It's like kind of the leader and like puts everything in place where it's supposed to go. And I guess, you know, there's also a train conductor and they're also kind of the leader of mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But yeah, I was just uh, I was thinking about that while I was listening to the podcast about the name The Conductor and what exactly that was implying. I want to say probably 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 the music way, but I like where you're going with the electricity thing. Mm -hmm. I think that's neat. Um, And the other thing was that I think that when they were saying that no one has gone in or out when we thought that Hope had been, like, stuck in solitary or whatever, and they just, like, kept her in this room. You Mm -hmm. remember that? Yeah. I think what they meant was nobody's been in or out of the anomaly. Oh, yeah. So... (laughs) Why are we dumb? I don't know, but I was like, "Mm, maybe not. (laughs) I don't know. Either way, that wasn't super clear. No. So going into our thoughts from listeners, we got a comment from my mom on SoundCloud. um, And she was wondering if she's clean when um, Octavia first shows up. They like inject her and say that she's clean. Like means that maybe she doesn't have black blood. So they would, if that's true, they would consider like night blood to be bad. Yeah. Or something like that. Um, I think that that is the best theory that I've heard, and I don't have any other theories. <laughs> I wonder. If so I wonder if people who have night blood are like the enemy or whatever mm-hmm. that has something to do with like the war, right? That they're all talking about. But then, why would Clark be the key if she has night blood and that's a bad thing? Because Clark was engineered, right? Sure, night blood. But I mean, then, so were the, so were all the people that, like, got black blood in the first place from, like, on Sanctum and the original. It makes sense to me that Cadigan and or Becca would care if they had black blood or not. So that seems like something that they maybe would test. Right. Um, I can see it. Also on SoundCloud, Elaine Lott um, provided us with a link to a Reddit post from user Talarurus that said that maybe the time inconsistencies on Bardo are because of an elliptical orbit rather than, like, a spherical orbit. If it was elliptical, then sometimes it would be closer to the black hole in other times or whatever. I think that it's a good way to explain a mess up. (laughs) Yes. Like, I really don't think that they're going to explain that. (laughs) But I think that's a good way to explain it. Yeah, for sure. Um, If we're going to have to do all the work, you know? <laughs> hmm we also got a couple of tweets using hashtag the 100 AF from our friend Joanna who is at very decima oh, um her. she said on the question how would Orlando know of hope is it possible that when hope was on Bardo people found out and for example a myth about hope from penance Orlando must have been sent just a few days after hope leaves Bardo I totally agree that that's how it's being how it was portrayed um that that he, she was like some fantastical myth or whatever yeah but the people on Bardo didn't know that hope existed because Levitt, like, protected that from them, and they wouldn't have gotten it from Dioza, obviously, so, like, I still don't think that's answered. Yeah, I agree. And also, since so much time happens on Skyring, it's just, like, uh, the whole 10 years- 20 years that Hope was on Skyring was only, like, uh what was it? Twenty four minutes for Orlando, so it doesn't make sense. Still doesn't make sense, basically. Unless there was something about still something between when Hope gets there the first time and when I was just thinking like maybe in the in the cabin or whatever when you see like I don't know if it said Hope's name on the part where you see her like heights or or if something says Hope's name somewhere in the cabin because he was there all alone for five years. And so maybe he found something in the cabin that was about hope. And that's kind of how he got it in his head that he was supposed to be taking care of hope or something. Maybe I, at this point, I don't think it has anything to do with what happened on Bardo. I think it's an Orlando thing because I mean, Orlando's dead at this point. So like, I guess it doesn't matter, but, but like the whole 20 years that hope was living there was only 24 minutes on Bardo, if my math was correct from last episode. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think it was a Orlando in the first five years thing. Yeah. Joanna also said, I think that Echo knows about Levitt at like other, uh, because Gabriel didn't. Yeah. And only Echo knew about it. I think mm-hmm. Echo knows about Levitt because Hope only told her he was not part of the plan. Orlando was their inside man. So Levitt just probably came up in regular conversation. Maybe she even mentioned it to Gabriel, but he forgot at some point, which is a totally good point, And I, I take that as gospel at this point because um, I totally agree that Orlando was supposed to be the guy and Levitt wasn't even relevant. Yeah. So, good point. Um, We got an anonymous message on Tumblr that wanted us to talk a little bit about Echo. I wasn't sure if they were referring to Echo having, like, killed all of the- bardoan i guess not the original bardoans but the bardoans coming to pick up orlando and also leaving orlando behind or if they were referring to echo killing the guy at the end of last episode but um this is what they said can you please discuss whether you think what echo did like i said not sure which like what thing thing they're referring to yeah um is a fair comparison to finn talking about the season two the time in season two when finn killed a bunch of people in Ton dc For Clark. Because I keep seeing that everywhere and it's just so untrue. My echo heart is so sad seeing all the hate she's getting for it. If Clark had done something similar or heck, even the exact same thing, there'd be nowhere near as much hate. And I'm tired of the double standard slash hypocrisy purely because of shipping. Side note, I love you guys and feel safe with the fandom space you've cultivated. Honestly, I think that our anonymous friend is right. Mm -hmm. Uh, If Clark had done it, it would have been romanticized. Yes, I agree. Thank you for doing that final note at the end, though. It means a lot um, that people are okay with coming to us for this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree that if Clark had done the same thing, like you said, it totally, like everybody totally would have been like, it's a Clark thing. And you know, Raven does something basically exactly the same thing, like two episodes ago. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't see that much, I'm that much hate for her on I, it. Um, yeah. I think that the like possibility of her veering into a dark, dark place like Finn is there. I think it's closer to, like, Finn killing that grounder who had Clark's watch mm. than it is to Finn killing that entire village. Right. Like, it was- this- that- the particular one at the end of last episode was very, um, impulsive yeah. and, like, angry. hmm But the- one in this episode and like the ones before when they were leaving, were Sky calculated. Ring were calculated and like it's h- hard to watch because like you don't like seeing people get murdered, but they had reason. She yeah. had a valid reason and like a good reason. Honestly, if you're on a mission and you don't want to risk even more problems for killing the people that she killed two episodes ago and in this episode, yeah, personally, so yeah. Um, So lastly, we have an email from uh, one of our listeners, Paulina, and um, she has a theory about the original Bardoans that I'm really excited to um, talk about. Uh, But firstly, uh, her her final paragraph in this email is talking about how she's one of uh, the listeners of our Riverdale podcast who does not watch the show. (laughs) <laughs> um, And she said that her favorite character is Alice, but that's totally swayed by our podcast and also some fan edits that she has found. The fan edits are so good. They're so good. So I don't blame you. And also Alice is a queen. So, um, okay. So Paulina. First of all, thank you so much. I love your podcast. It has helped me tremendously through a recent move I have had. I just love your rapport with each other, and I'm glad you guys are covering season seven. First of all, to your first of all, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are simply two roommates sitting in a room speaking words into existence, but the amount of joy that we're able to, like, bring people just by doing that makes everything worth it, and, um, so thank you for listening. Yeah. Uh, I have a theory concerning the original slash new Bardoans. First off, I'm assuming the original Bardoans that Anders and Levitt talked about were part of the Allegis Three mission that Colin led, and the current Bardoans are connected to Cadogan and the Second Dawn cult. Because we now know there is probably an anomaly stone on Earth, it could be possible that Cadogan used it to get to Bardo, maybe to escape nuclear apocalypse, and then took over the allegious settlers who were already living there. This could explain why the second Dawn bunker in season 4 was com- left completely untouched. And again, assuming the Bar- that Bardo's time passes faster than Earth, it could explain how the Bardo settlement was already established by the time it was taken over by the current residents. Good chance I'm missing some info that debunks this theory, but hopefully I'm making sense here. Also, in regards to the crystal giants and large arms, I'm hoping that's just, a regu- that's just regular cult mythologizing. I'm a bit concerned about how they would handle sentient aliens on this show. <laughs> you know who's not concerned about that? Jordan, apparently. <laughs> He's like, I'm into it, let's do it. I like this theory because it makes sense to me that the original Bardoans, the Allegius people, would have the um, resources and plans to build this type of, like, giant building or massive settlement Mm -hmm. on this planet. So that definitely makes sense to me, and I'm with you on all of this, I think. I was thinking that maybe the crystal giants might refer to some people in cryo potentially. Yeah. Um, and I was also considering while I was listening to our other our our podcast for last episode that Anders is the first disciple and he's supposed to have been um like if it's the first one it's been years and years and years and years. And so I was wondering if maybe he also had a mind drive and maybe this is like his I don't know how many bodies Right. But he would need, first of all, I'm not sure how he would get like a re-engineered mind drive because that was a Gabriel and Russell thing. Mm-hmm. And also he would need black blood for that. So if that were true, then maybe they were testing for black blood and just trying to find other people that Anders could go into the body of. But I'm just making that, I'm just making that up. I really need to know like where Earth falls on mm-hmm. the time dilation scale. I think that the like general consensus on Twitter is is that Earth is just as far away as Sanctum, and probably is also going just as slow as Sanctum. So all these other places are going faster than Earth. Yeah, because the it, when the Allegis three people leave, it makes sense that they could be there for however many generations before Cadigan gets there, even if it's not that like long of a time on Earth. Right, because they, because the, okay, because if Bardo is closer to the thing. And then time is going faster, so they could spend, like, hundreds of years on Bardo, and it could have been, like, four years on Yeah, or 10 Earth. or 20 or whatever. But uh, another thing that we need to consider is that Cadigan, like we thought originally, didn't have to travel to Bardo. He just took the Anomaly Stone, so it was kind of, it was, like, instantaneous for him. Mm-hmm. And they kept all their memories because Earth is slower than Bardo, right? So yeah, that's that's our working theory as to like what happened with Cadigan, I guess. And thank you to Paulina for um for adding to it. God, imagine if you were born on Earth and then you went through the anomaly stone, like, ooh, this is so cool! I'm gonna like explore space, and then you end up on some planet that moves slower mm-hmm. than Earth, and you're like. Who am I? How did I get here? (laughs) What's my life? What's my name? I don't know. So if you guys want to send us in your thoughts on this episode or your theories about what's happening in general, um, you can send us your thoughts on Twitter using hashtag the 100 AF and you can email us at at gmail.com. Today I read out a, um, Tumblr message that we got, so that's anonymous. Um, I look at our Twitter DMs and I look at our Instagram DMs, so yeah, definitely uh, get a hold of us if you have something to add. Um, We have three storylines here, obviously. We have uh, Sanctum, Nakara, and Bardo. Obviously, Nakara is what the episode is named after, but we still think Bardo's the most interesting, which is why we're gonna end with Bardo, and we're gonna start with Sanctum. So, uh, first of all, Sam, how did you feel about this episode? Um, I was really excited about it before it happened. I was really excited the first five minutes, because I thought the- those first five minutes were really cool. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, for the rest of the episode, I was just kind of bored. To be honest, um, last episode, like, in Welcome to Bardo, I- like, we got, like- halfway through the episode, and I was like, what? We're only halfway through the episode? And by the time that we got to the end of the episode in this episode, I was like, wait, we're finished the episode? Because it didn't really feel like that much, t- that much stuff happened. It all felt like prelude, I guess. Yeah. Or like, it. a lot of it felt like filler. Like, I enjoyed specific scenes mm-hmm. in each storyline, but there were also like chunks of each storyline where I was just like, what are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My main thing was that, like, at the end of each storyline, what really is, like, different than it was at the end of last episode? hmm Like, there are a few things, but, like, you know... On Nakara, we get to Nakara, then at the end we leave Nakara, and we don't answer any of the questions that we gave us throughout the episode. Right. Um, on Sanctum, like, it, we we lost the guns, by the end we still don't have the guns, you know? And although there's been a twist of power, like, that's that's about it. Mm-hmm. And then on the Bardo storyline, it's like, we, we're all captured, and then at the end, oh, we're still captured, you know? So it's like... Right. Whatever. So... Um, this is my summary for the Sanctum storyline. On Sanctum, we finally see Maddie again. She's still going to school. Russ Haida is convincing members of Juan crew to talk to him and let him outside and such. Indra's like, no way, Jose. She tells one of the guys to punch him if he has to, but the guy is like, the faithful will hate us if they see us doing that. Indra says to get one of the children of Gabriel to do it, so they let in Nelson, who tries to kill Russell. He gets fully pwned, and Russ Hatter reveals that he's not Russell to Nelson. No word on why yet. crew's guns were stolen last night, so they need to figure out what happened to them. They're pretty sure it was the convicts. Indra gets Murphy to help them get back. They go to talk to Nikki, who wants Raven to die for killing Hatch. Too bad she's definitely not here, but totally maybe being devoured by a mysterious beast, so congrats. Indra doesn't have anyone to help get the guns back, so she asks Maddie to help out. Not sure how she was going to convince everyone that she's still the commander after Gaia's announcement, but okay. She's hanging out drawing the anomaly stone when this other kid comes over to talk to her. He reveals that he's a Null in just the most clunky way ever. Anyway, Maddie just wants to play soccer with the other kids, but alas. She tells Indra that she'll help, but once she's there she starts freaking out. Jackson, Murphy, and Amori stand up for her and she bails. They tell Indra to do it because she'd make the best leader. Indra goes in and tells Knight to stop being a jerk. She battles him and wins, and now everyone's going to follow her. I respect her. You know what? If it was going to be anybody, I'm also pleased that it's Indra. Same. Um, so Maddie says to Indra that Jackson told her that the Bardo armor was nothing like he's ever seen, and Indra said that Jackson hasn't seen a lot of armor. (laughs) (laughs) And Clark and Gaia have, so that's why. They're off yonder doing that, and I was like, you know what? She's right. Um, why do they keep putting Maddie in such ugly outfits? I I I think Are they like this is what children look like. I think they are genuinely trying to like make her look more adolescent than mm-hmm. they did yeah. in like I guess the first uh in like season five Yeah. and six. But it's bad. But they're bad. No one on Sanctum has any fashion sense apparently. Except for Kaylee and no. <laughs> no. She's dead. Yeah. Yeah. Kaylee had the only fashion sense on this mm-hmm. planet. And uh she's gone. So all the guns are gone. Um they bring out Russell because he gets ten minutes outside a day. Um and he says good morning to Indra and Trig and it's like, Oh my god, yeah, Indra taught me some. Shut up. Like, it's just weird to me that people would be like, Oh, I totally believe that. Yeah, Indra would spend her time teaching you good morning in tr- Trig Trig. <laughs> right. But also good morning in, in Trig is sun up, yo. <laughs> Okay. All right. Uh, one of the grounders we get, it, like, to this day, they are just introducing members who who apparently have been there the entire time, Right, which I think it's funny. But his name is Lindo, which is obviously a reference to Drew Lindo, who is one of the writers slash producers on the show. Indra says that only Tree Crew can guard Russell now, obviously, because if Sangeta Crew does, then he'll tell them and then they'll follow him right pen who's her other guy who's also here says that it would look bad for the them to be beating up russell and Andrew's like hey good point let's get the cogs to do it so now like we all call the children <laughs> of gabriel cogs because obviously cog but they've never done that before i don't think and no. so the fact that she says cogs i was like if i'm just like casually watching the hundred without like being anywhere in fandom i'd be like what's a cog right because we've never talked about that before. No. Okay. So basically Indra and Russell have a conversation. Russell says, and once again, Russell is Shade Hedda this whole time. He says that only three of the people who are still alive can say that they once used the flame, Maddie, Clark, and Shade Hedda. Um, would love to learn his real name sometime. Yeah. Um, It'd be nice to like Tom Riddle him, mm-hmm. you know, because clearly he really enjoys the title Shade Hedda, just like Voldemort did. And then when Dumbledore or Harry calls him Tom Riddle, he's like, meh. That's not my name. That's my name. That's not my name. Don't talk to me like that. Um. So obviously Indra is afraid that all of the people will follow Russell, which is why she's not telling anybody. And Russell says, "I would be too if I was you," which reminded me of this really iconic quote <laughs> from RuPaul's Drag Race All Stars Season Two when Alaska says something like, "I would be worried." If I was going up against me. But luckily I am me. (laughs) So that's what that reminded me of. Fully. Um, Russell's like, luckily I am me. So Murphy's in the tavern and we get um, Jeremiah, who was the dad that we were talking about last last episode, the one who... Uh, Murphy saved his son and he says thank you to Murphy and they're gonna have a drink together but then Indra shows up and needs Murphy and um, Murphy decides that instead of Jeremiah they're gonna start calling him Jerry and I was like I'm not sure what the what the point of that was but but okay. Murphy's just like I don't like your name I'm gonna change it. He's like see you later Jer. Okay (laughs) sure. So Indra asks Murphy about Nikki and Murphy basically says that Nikki really likes chaos, so this is kind of going to be difficult. They go and talk to her about it, and she's like, oh, you're just blaming the convict again. We're always responsible. And I'm like, okay, that was fine, like, earlier when they were blaming you for stuff, but, like, now you legit did it. So, like, don't play the victim when you aren't, when When you're you're the one who's doing it. Yeah. She realizes that Murphy wasn't in danger because he had nightblood, and Raven knew that they would die when they went in. And so she wants Raven to die for it. And you know what? I think Raven probably also agrees. Yeah. Raven Raven's probably pretty messed up point. about it. So Indra's like, it's weird to me that you didn't immediately ask what was stolen. Like, that should be your first question. So we really think that you probably took them. And Nikki's just like, oh, well, wow. well, okay. And what about it? Yeah. I'm just like, there's not a lot to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> In, in this because it's basically just, like, any, like, long conversation is just kind of, like, rehashing things that we already know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, Russell is- has, like, a chess set and Nelson comes in to talk to him. Um, he has a secret weapon in the way that they looked for weapons on him, but he has one. <laughs> basically- a secret weapon. And that reminded me of Clark in 701 when she had, I think it was 701. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah where she had a gun and the faithful were like, hey, (laughs) don't have a gun. And she was like, all right, you're a good bargainer. And then she went in and had a secret gun anyway. Yep. So Nelson attacks him for revenge for the Nulls and for the people whose lives they stole and their families and everything. But Russell wins because Shade Hedda was obviously super trained in combat. Mm -hmm. He tells Nelson that he isn't Russell. And I was like, huh, I wonder why. And I thought that If he's the one who killed the final prime, which is what they want, they want death to primes, maybe the Cogs would follow him because he killed the last prime. Right. Uh, Oh, okay. Yeah, I think. And then at some point he says that they need to come together with the convicts as well. So he's trying to unite everybody else against one crew. One crew. Yeah. He also says the quote, you can't get justice without power, which feels really relevant right now. Ooh, yeah. Like. Then they say that they need to take out the enemy's queen and then they cut to, at first I was like, Indra? And then they yeah. cut to Clark and I was like, oh, Clark, right. I'm not really sure how you're going to get her. Yeah, she's a little, uh, occupied. But um, next episode is called The Queen's Gambit. So that's probably going to be... Wait a second. I thought that since Lindsay was the one who was directing this next episode and that Eliza was supposed to be the one who was directing the episode, that we wouldn't see any of Clark or Raven. Mm-hmm. And we don't see them in the trailer. So I'm not really sure how it's going to be called The Queen's Gambit, if it's supposed to be if Clark's the queen and also if, also Gambit is a chess move so it makes sense that he's like talking about chess what but, if it's Octavia the red queen yeah I guess that's fine it's just weird that because I mean Octavia has had a bigger storyline than Clark so far this season definitely anyway. I think that's just weird <laughs> that he's a weird talking, cut. that he's talking about Clark as if she's the queen and then they make a whole other episode called The Queen Something. And they're talking about a different queen? I guess we'll find I out. I wonder if we if we see them in the next episode or not. Because, yeah. Because, like, like you said, it would make sense if they weren't. Because each of them either ended up directing or was supposed to direct. Yeah. So, logically, they wouldn't be in that episode very much. Mm-hmm. We do- we are on Bardo. And at the end of this episode, right. they do go to Bardo. Exactly. So... Uh, I guess maybe maybe they just come in at the very end or something, like unless- but I'm also not really sure why the whole episode would be named after Clark. If it is about Clark. Yeah, I don't know. Because, like... Another thing that I was thinking about is that we don't know how the time on Nakara passes. That's what I was going to say as versus well. Versus Bardo. like, it could still be, like, another week or so for us on Bardo before they show up from Nakara. If yeah. If Nakara is, like, weird time to Right. So, then we move to Maddie and she's drawing the anomaly. And so, she's still drawing things that she's never seen. But then I realized that one of the commanders must have seen the anomaly, though. Yes. Yes. So I was like, Becca? Because it's confusing because she says, or, like, the kid asks her if it's from Earth. And she says yes. And she says yes. No. I don't know. So, okay. So what's (laughs) the truth? (laughs) I think that I would have just gone past this if I hadn't, like, considered the fact that this means that one of the commanders has seen the anomaly. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily that they've gone through the anomaly, but that they have seen the anomaly stone wherever it is. Mm -hmm. And if it's in the bunker ooh, then I'm still not sure because Cadigan- Well, if it was was in the bunker, you would think that, like, the people in the bunker would have seen it and been like, huh, what's this weird ball? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, yes. So one of the commanders must have, at some point, seen the anomaly. Um, I just wonder when the one on Earth got turned off. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's another big question that, you know, at first I was assuming, at first when the one on Sanctum got turned off, I was assuming that- (sighs) that was a thing that was happening right now. You know, mm-hmm. like it was a this one, then this one, then this one. And we were just going and we were going to turn all of them off at once or whatever. Right. Like someone went to earth and turned it off. Yeah. But now it's like, maybe that one has been turned off for a long time. Maybe they're turning off the sanctum one for a reason, but we haven't seen anybody go to any of the other planets and turn off their anomaly stones yet. Right. So who's to say that they're turning off all the stones. Maybe they're just turning off sanctums for one reason or another. Right. Okay. So then we meet this random kid. Um, and you know, they could just make them friends, but for some reason they're framing it as a love interest. And I'm like, that's a, that's a kid. Uh, you know what, if I want weird, if I want weird childhood relationships, I'll just go watch stranger things. Thank you. (laughs) And one of the things that you learn doing, um, screenwriting is show. Don't tell that's like a big rule. Instead of having somebody walk to work and go, I'm so excited to go to my work at the dentist's office today, you would just instead show them at the dentist's office working. Right. Which tells you, both ways tell you they work at the dentist's office. Exactly. But one of them is more dynamic than the other. I don't know if they just couldn't think of another way to tell us that he was a null, but the fact that the kid walks up and he goes, yes, I'm a null... I'm like, come on! It, it was so oh god. Cringy. I was like, no, that's the worst show don't tell ever. I was, was like, ugh. It was so bad. Mm-hmm. Like, and The 100 can do a situation where they tell us what happened instead of showing it if mm-hmm. they're, like, low on budget or something. It yeah. was like, in season three, we wanted them to have, like, shown us what happened with, like, Pike and the other, uh, Sky Crew people, and, like, it would have had a bigger impact, but telling the story still had an impact. Mm-hmm but this was just like uh, okay <laughs> i honestly like i probably still would have would have complained about it if the, if it were this but it would have been better if that kid with the soccer ball came up and was like hey aren't you a null no? right like it would have been still annoying and i probably still would have complained about it but it's <laughs> better than being like yes hello it is i i am a null you know you know oh, i was like uh <laughs> So, they just want to play soccer, um, and Indra goes to Maddie and doesn't know what else to do, um, and Clark isn't here to stop Indra from asking Maddie. Wh- you had thoughts on this? I just didn't like this scene. I I think this is also probably partly from my not having seen the first episode of this season, mm-hmm. where Indra was, like, really adamant about getting Maddie to be the commander. But I, th- I just think it's really weird that Indra goes to this 14-year-old kid who hasn't had any, like, HEDA training or anything, and it's just like, we need you to do the thing, because I don't know what else to do. And I'm like, you're Indra! <laughs> you're Indra! You're a badass, and, like, you've come up with war plans and, like, battle strategies and, like, helped lead the entire bunker to existence. So she, she, could, she could think of something. It's just <laughs> also, like, Russell... She came from a conversation with Russell in which he said, there are three people who have ever been in the flame. Mm -hmm. And that's not like a list of the only people who can help you. Right. You know, she's like, well, you won't help me and Clark's missing, so I guess I'll go to Maddie. Yeah. I, it just felt like clunky writing to me because like the end game is to get Indra to the point where she is like, oh yes, I will be the leader because yes. that makes sense. But it just felt very, it reminded me of all the things I did not like about season four in which there were like several times where we like try six different avenues that we know at the onset are pointless mm-hmm. before getting to the thing that actually works because like it, that only works if you don't know that the avenue you're headed down is pointless mm-hmm. for the, like, if the audience doesn't know that. Yeah. Because, like, if the audience knows this is not the solution that's going to work. I'm, Why are we doing it? I'm just, like, looking at my watch, like, okay, let's get to the one that actually does work. I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but, like... <sighs> I just didn't like it. That's okay. So she's like, Maddie, will you please help me? And Maddie looks back at the soccer kids and looks back at Indra. And for a second, I genuinely thought she was going to be like, pass. (laughs) Like, I really thought she was going to say no for a second. I would have supported her. Yeah. So um, she gets into her, like, commander garb and everything. And Indra's like, okay, are you ready? Just, like, pumping her up. Jackson, Murphy and Amori come to save Maddie. And um, they're talking about how they really care about Maddie and how she shouldn't have to do this. And I just know that they're really making Murphy love kids this season in a really heavy-handed way. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think that's because there's going to be a Memori baby at some point or whatever. I don't want that. I don't think that they should be parents <laughs> at all. Um, and if they are parents, I hope it's in the deep, deep, deep future. They are currently not ready. No, Please do not give us a Memori baby with these like 25 year olds who, <laughs> who still don't like. Who, they're children themselves. And like, would that kid pop out with, a, with night blood? Ooh, well, because... it depends on when she got pregnant. Yeah. Can we not downtown Vancouver? It would depend on when she got pregnant. Have you ever had compassion for other people? No, they have not. Well, that person down there hasn't. <laughs> so she, like, is gonna, stand like, give her the, the bindi that everybody hates, so I don't know why they keep bringing it, it back. It was such a cringe scene. Like, this is another thing that I was like, no, 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 stop. Yeah. They, she, like, they made her get out the bindi. They, like, had her- it was- they had Indra being, like, really, like, really pressuring Maddie in a way that was, like... It made me uncomfortable, and I was just, like... I, I, I don't know that... I just don't think that's who Indra is to me. Yeah. Like, I know she's, like, kind of demanding, especially, like... Th- she pushed Gaia away from her, basically, by being too much of a warrior. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know, it's... Just, she, she took... Octavia under her wing after Octavia like proved her like determination to be a part of grounder be a be a grounder basically Mm -hmm. and like it was it wasn't like I wouldn't say nurturing necessarily but it wasn't like it wasn't predatory Mm -hmm. and like this scene with Maddie feel felt predatory to me Mm -hmm. and I just didn't like it. And, like, I just felt like, I don't know why we had to, like, shove Indra in this direction by having her, like, scare a kid. Yeah, and, like, be like, I don't know what else to do. You're Indra! Come on! And then have a bunch of, like, people who have spent maybe four minutes with her be like, you're the best leader? Come on, you do it! Yeah. And then she's like, well, damn, you're right. Yeah. And I'm like, (laughs) she could have figured it out herself. She could have gotten there. Yeah. So, basically, Jackson's like, hey, let's not. And Indra threatens to basically kill Jackson if (laughs) you... gets in her way, and Murphy's like, hey, kill me then, bud, because he's willing to, like, die or get cut down or whatever Mm -hmm. to protect Maddie, and I'm like, sir, I do not know you. (laughs) So then Maddie's like, oh, and so she leaves, and Jackson says that she's having a panic attack. Like, how- is that your medical opinion? (laughs) Do you know what a panic attack looks like? You can't just diagnose a panic attack on site because that's not what a panic attack looks like. Also, yeah, you, you can't just, like, panic attacks look different in different people. Yeah, and also, like, all she did was, like, run away. Yeah. If I were to diagnose that, I'd be like, looks like she's- She doesn't want to do this. Yeah, she doesn't want to do it. So, Jackson follows Maddie, and Indra tells Imori and Murphy about the Shade of stuff. So, to clarify, Jackson still doesn't know. I- I don't know if that's gonna still be important, but just to clarify, Jack- like, Nelson now knows. Murphy, Imori, and Indra all know, but Jackson does not know. Okay. Imori recognizes who Shade Hedda is, though, and knows what she's talking about now. Um, they talk about how Indra should be the leader, because she was calling the shots in the bunker, and she's bossy, so she should do it. And so, Indra walks into the room, and she has, like, a scuffle with Knight. She wins and tells him that he's in charge of the gun thing now. So- so, are we just not going to have to worry about the gun thing anymore? Because it's right. his job and he's not a main character? Or what? Like, I don't know. Like, next that- episode, are they just going to be like, we got the guns back? No, I think that's going to come back next episode because Nikki walks into mm-hmm. the, like, oh, right, yeah. palace with the guns. Right. Well, then, thanks a lot, Knight. You did not do your job. <laughs> so, before we move on to the next uh, storyline, I just wanted to remind you that we have four other podcasts um, one's for Star Trek. Stranger Things, Lost, and Riverdale. So if you like any of those shows, you should check out our podcasts for them. Um, And maybe tell a friend if you know that one of your friends likes those shows. um, We would really love to have you on any of them. And um, uh, I I would love to shout out the Lost podcast in particular (laughs) if you're bored. Um, It's on Hulu and Amazon Prime. And our podcast is spoiler free until a spoiler section at the end. So you can watch along with us for the first time if you want. I'm just saying. Thank you. Do it. It would make her really happy. It would. I appreciate it all right so now we're moving on to nakara you know that ice planet you know that ice planet we enter the story just as we left it with our heroes looking around like doofuses (laughs) raven sees through her helmet where the anomaly stone is but it's far away they're gonna start heading over to the cave thing but they find a body buried in the snow it's human the planet is a burial ground they uncover it and then just leave it there (laughs) y'all desecrated a grave put it back where you found it you heathens They make their way into the cave. The stone is still pretty far away. It's a tight squish. There are creepy monsters inside that attack Raven. Luckily, her helmet protects her, although it gets beaten up. Still have no idea what the monsters actually were, though. You'd think we'd talk a little bit more about Nakara in the episode named Nakara, but alright. (laughs) <laughs> they keep going and at one point try to turn back, but the cave is closed and also has acid on the walls, so they definitely can't just push it. They keep going. They get separated by the moving walls, and Clark and Raven talk about karma and life and killing people and why they did it and how they sleep at night, and you know what? I've been waiting for a conversation like this for them, so it's all good. Raven figures out that they're not just in a cave, they're in a living organism? Then that is also not explained. They somehow <laughs> are They somehow are all reunited. They find the stone and Raven puts in the code as the others protect from more monsters. What were the monsters. What was the thing they were inside? Is this literally all that we get of the mythology of Nakara? If so, kinda disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> gotta say, gotta say. So we were wondering, like, how do they know that this isn't Nakara? And I definitely agree or, or isn't Bardo. Isn't Penance. Oh, right. Because that's where they were trying to go, because that's where they thought that everybody was. And they were, but you missed them. <laughs> I was we were like, how do they know that this isn't penance? Like it could be. And you're right, because Miller is like, whoa, this is the wrong place. Or, like, Jordan or something. They both um, are. But Raven has, like, Nakara written on- in her helmet. Yeah. So Raven knows that um, that it's not penance, um, but she doesn't really say anything. <laughs> so <laughs> it says that it's class R, which they don't explain. It says that it's a breathable atmosphere and that it's an ossuarium. And they're like, hey, we're on the wrong planet. And Raven, once again, Raven's the only one who knows this. And, but Raven does at some point say, Miller's right. And I'm like, okay, so I guess I'll, now we know? Okay, so now we're on the same page. (laughs) I'm sorry, but Miller, Jordan, and Nyla feel so useless. Right, it's, it's just, like, clunky and weird. And they're just like, okay, let's make jokes on this ice planet that don't land. When has Nyla ever made a joke? Stop. (laughs) Why? Like, why, why, why are we doing this? Why? (laughs) I have seen Miller be helpful and be like, Miller in season two. I loved Miller in season two. I've seen Miller be helpful and competent, but all he does this episode is just say, I don't like it here. We get it. And it's like, yeah, it's cold. We understand. Yeah. I wouldn't like it either. It's just, like, everyone who isn't Clark and Raven, I'm just, like... It's just, like, that doesn't help. Why are... You're not helping. Like, they're just, like, not doing anything, really. So they see the dead person in the snow, and they, like, uncover them, and there's, like, a bag over their head, you know, which means that they are, like, they're supposed to be there, I guess, you know? Because it's, like, it's like a burial ground. They see that the Bardo symbol is on their chest, so that's why they decide to choose Bardo next. Um, So at the end, they are going to Bardo. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan is disappointed because he wants aliens. And I'm like, you know what? Get out of here. <laughs> I don't want aliens. Can we not? He's like, well, maybe he'll get to meet the Bardo like, the original Bardo Yeah, somehow. And then they just walk away. They just leave the body unearthed. I'm like, that's so rude. And, like, not only did they do that, but they also, like, left its head exposed, which clearly yeah. it had a bag over it for a reason. Probably to, like, keep the, um... Spider monsters. Yeah, or, like, I was thinking, um, like, their dignity, you know? Yeah. Um, like, as their freezing slash, de, what's it called? Decomposing. Uh. Like, just trying to keep their dignity and everything intact by covering their face. And then they just, like, let, like, uh, uh, it's so rude. That's so rude to just leave him there now. Would your body decompose on that planet? I don't know, but either way, I wouldn't want people looking at my face after it, it looked like that, you oh, know? fully. So that's why there was a bag on this head and then they just leave it but okay. So they walk to they're going to walk to the stone which was 2 kilometers away at one point and then when they get to the cave entrance it's only 200 meters away. So that means that little like clip that we had there mm-hmm. like like from where they were to the cave. They walked 1.8 kilometers. <laughs> And they all just walk up and they're like, hey, like, they're not even, like, cold looking. They're not even tired looking. Okay. Question. Okay. Do you think the people on Bardo send their dead here just via the anomaly? Like, they just dial it and then just, like, yeet this person in a body bag to Nakara? Or do you think that they go and then, like, bury them in the snow with, like, intention? Or do you think... That the reason that they use Nakara as an ossuarium is because they can't go, like, bury people on the surface, because and, like, it would get weird to have a pile of bodies or just cremate everybody if they're living in a facility. Okay. That's a lot of questions, and I have a lot <laughs> of thoughts. Okay. First of all, I, that I don't know if they will ever be answered, and may, I'm probably putting way more thought into it than needs to be. Fully. But, like, here's the thing, is we only see that one body right beside where they come out of the anomaly. So- if we do see the, the like, bag again in the stomach of the thing. Right, yeah. But, yeah. Um, So it's, like, another person later. But if this is the ossuaryum and it's been generations and generations and generations, should there not be several, m- like, more here? Like, maybe it's in a different part of the planet or, like, maybe the monster thing that they go into has, like, taken over the planet somehow. And so this time, like, they can't get back to the Anomaly Stone. Or maybe- the- So they need to jump- out, and then jump back in really quick because they can't get to the anomaly stone to get back like, you know what I mean? Because like, there's only two places you can go. Where you come out of the anomaly, and where you go into the anomaly which is the anomaly stone and obviously the anomaly stone is in somewhere not safe, so now they no longer have time to come onto the planet and bury them however, and then leave. You know what I- and, like, go back to the Anomaly Stone to to leave, so now they kind of have to just, like, dump them and go. See, that's what I'm wondering, if they just, like, slide it through. I don't know if that's what they usually do, because obviously there's only one person here, and you'd think that they'd have lots, Mm -hmm. but, I mean, that's what my brain says, is that they jump in, they put it somewhere, and then they go, because, obviously, they can't get to the Anomaly Stone. Right. To get back somewhere. Uh, so Yeah. I, and one of my questions that I had later is like, is the anomaly stone usually inside this giant monster, or did the monster like uh swallow the anomaly stone, or like how did the anomaly stone get inside the belly of this giant monster? How big is the monster? Why does the monster look like a bunch of rocks? Is is it just like a giant turtle that you're standing on, and that's a planet, or like like is it the whole planet is is living? Is is the just giant things on top of the planet? It, like I I just there's so many questions. Like did the monsters that are inside of the monster are those like part of the monster, like some sort of like weird tongue or like something? Nano probe yeah. Or like or or, or is that something else that was swallowed by the giant monster? Like, there's just so many things that I have questions about, and they just show up to Nakara, don't answer any of them, and then leave. Yep. Why did we do that? <laughs> what What was it all for? What was yeah exactly? And if this is it, then like like. Are they going to get to Bardo and then, like, ask somebody? And they'll be like, oh, hey, Levitt, <laughs> tell us about this. And he'll be like, oh, my God, it's Clark and Raven. Ah, can I get your autograph? <laughs> and then he'll be like, who are you guys? <laughs> he might recognize Miller and Nyla, but he'd be like, sir, who are you? And he'd be well, like, he... oh, I'm Monty's kid. And he'd be like, Monty died? Yeah, he, I mean, he never got to watch, uh, he didn't get to watch season five. Yeah. So he might not know who they are. Yeah. He'd be like, what? Monty died? Oh, no. <laughs> okay, yeah. So basically, the the cave that they go into definitely does not look like a mouth. So I don't I don't blame them there. No. Um, Raven wants a flashlight, and so a flashlight just like happens on her helmet, which is super helpful. Um, but everyone else has flashlights. So like, did they cut? Did they have them in their pockets? Like, why why were the rest of them prepared and not Raven and not Raven? Um. So then they go, "What's that smell?" And they say that it's warmer in there, right? Yeah. By like fifty degrees. And I was like, it's breath? I don't know. Like, don't make it self-conscious though. Like, your guys are the assholes here. Yeah. <laughs> so they start hearing like creepy sounds that like once again aren't really explained. Right. And they I get mean, it's these presumably from the spider monsters. Yeah. But like, why are the spider monsters in the caves, monster. Yeah, that's the question. Yeah, and, and still alive. Like, why haven't the spider monsters been dissolved by the stomach acid? Yeah. And why do the spider monsters know to run away from the anomaly light? Yeah, because they were scared of the anomaly. And like, why does why are they scared of the anomaly? Because you're a spider monster. You could probably eat whatever comes out of it. I want to see a spider monster go through the anomaly and all the Bardo people are like, Whoa, what? (laughs) The Bardo ones were just murdered by the spider monster. That's what took them out, not Generation 9. So the creepy spider demogorgon dandelion thing attacks and nearly ruins the helmet. And so I was like, what is it? Is it like a tongue? Did the monster swallow it or is it part of the monster? I don't know. And then it goes, and they say, and I quote, it's gone. But, like, we haven't seen any forks in the road. So, like, is this just one long tube? Because (laughs) it's still in front of you then. You know, like, it's still there. Like, where did it go then? And later, at some point, they talk about backtracking and finding another way. I have not seen a fork in the road this entire time. As far as I know, this is just a giant tube. What is your other way going all the way back? And finding another entrance, like like this, is before they realize it's a monster, right? Yeah, I just I want to say that I think it's funny that last week I joked about Bardo being like Hogwarts in that they're yeah it's constantly changing, Uh, and now they are in a worm whose interior organs are constantly changing or something. <laughs> so then they go, they go, hey Raven, what was that? And Raven goes, How should I know? Maybe the helmet. The way that you were the only one that saw it, bud. So, anyway, it's closed off now, so they can't turn back. There's acid on the walls, and um, Jordan hurts himself with that, which I think parallels Monty, his father, who also got, like, the acid rain on his hands at the end of season four. four. Yeah. That was such a good Monty moment. Um, It really was. It was the first time that Monty and Murphy got to hang out together, if you might remember, and it was great. Um, So I think him getting acid on his hands parallels Monty. And Miller's like, hey, Jordan, do you still think aliens are awesome? And Jordan just smiles. I was like, so yes? You're in the stomach of an alien and you still think aliens are cool? (laughs) Yes? Okay. Oh, I just wanted to also point out that Miller just, like, left his boyfriend after they had, like, kind of a tense moment. Yeah. he didn't even think to go back and tell Jackson, and Jackson has not cared at all that he's gone. Right. Jackson hasn't expressed, like, any feelings about him having left. Mm -hmm. Like, did we- does Indra know where they are? Like, did we- did they discuss with anyone that they were leaving the planet? No. <laughs> like, because Clark's like, or because Indra says to Maddie, like she's going to find her friends because she's a good person and like she's a good leader, blah blah blah. And I'm like, okay, yeah. They okay, keep, but they how keep... do you know that's where she is? Because like we we didn't. They keep talking about how they're just gonna come back, and like we didn't discuss it. Also, yeah. these the stone is off, so like they can't come back. Yeah. Or or can they come back if they get dialed there, but they just can't leave? Right. Or yeah, if they dial to it, I think that they can go. So if she had dialed Sanctum, I think she could have gotten back. But I don't think you can dial, you can go anywhere from Sanctum. So no one can follow them, but they can still go back, I think. But this reminds me of something. In the, um, in season four of Lost, Mm -hmm. they start doing these things where you start seeing like the future rather than the past Yeah. And there are certain people who get to go to a certain place. And there are six people that get to go to this certain place. And you know that those six people end up in that place by the end of the season. Right? Uh Uh-huh. And so if you listen to the commentary or listen to the, you know, thoughts from, like, showrunner, uh, from Damon and Carlton, who are the showrunners of Lost, um, they said that what they tried to do was, right before the season finale, they tried to scatter those six people just all over the island. Mm-hmm. They wanted to scatter them everywhere so that by the time, like, when you were starting the season finale, you're like, I have no idea how these six people come together, you right. know? And and then they do it. But it's also just, like, an island And so they've started scattering their main characters around, like, a galaxy, bro. Yeah. And I'm like, are they gonna, like, are they gonna come back together in the end and we're gonna have a big ending with all of them together? Or are they all going to, like, die sad deaths apart and never see each other again? Oh, that hurts my heart. I hope it's not that. I I hope it's the earlier one as well. (laughs) <laughs> but that's what it's kind of reminding me of. Yeah, that's fair. Um, So the stone is only 40 meters away now, but it's a dead end and they're going to potentially backtrack. But there are scary things in every direction, so they can't. Um, They get separated by the moving walls. It's Princess Mechanic and the B team. And Raven figures out that it's a living organism that's like digesting them right now. Mm-hmm. So is the entire planet living or are they giant things on top of the planet? Once again, no answers on this. Um, It's also started pushing in on them as well. And Clark is like, don't worry, the others will find a way. And I'm like, you got a lot of faith in Miller, Jordan, and Nyla. (laughs) And then when we, and then after Raven and Clark have this really important conversation, we cut back to Miller, Jordan, and Nyla. And all they're doing is hitting a, like, solid wall with guns. Like, and not even, like, they're not even, like, shooting it. They're, and just expecting something to happen. They're hitting it with the butt of the gun. Yeah. Like, not even, like, picking up a rock within this cavern and hitting it with that. It, uh, it, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I'm like, you have a lot of faith with some people who, like, are just not even, like, picking up, like, like it's not even close to, like, a pickaxe or anything. Like, it's just, oh, God. So Raven talks about how her soul is broken. And how do you do it, Clark? She says she killed four people and then she killed eight people in the same evening. And four and eight are two of the important numbers on Lost. So <laughs> just saying. And um, even though we're kind of talking about how Raven is coming down from her moral high horse, I think that... This is kind of like disguised, yeah. In the same way that, like, she's still doing it, but it's kind of like more subtle because she's saying, "I've done terrible things recently, and and I feel terrible about it, and I'm a really bad person." Clark, you're a bad person. You do bad things all the time, but you're you you're just fine with it. You go along and just sip your tea. How do you do it? How do you do it, Teach Clark? Me your way. How do you be a, such a bad person, Clark? You know, and so. I'm still like, I see right through you. (laughs) It just plays so weird to me that, like, Raven, that this particular set of deaths is the one that's important to her. The one that's important to her and, like, the one that's hitting her so hard. Because, like, in case you guys forgot or anyone in the writer's room who (laughs) seems to have forgotten, Raven is also a character who in season one said, get him close and I'll cook him real good. (laughs) About other human people. And now she's like, I didn't it wasn't even me who cooked them. (laughs) Right. But I'm upset. Okay. (laughs) So Clark says, uh, they talk about karma. Clark says she doesn't believe in karma, which is good, because if she did, she'd be screwed. She's done a lot of things. Um, Raven talks about how she could have gone in there and welded the pipes herself, but she didn't because she was scared. And honestly, I was waiting for her to admit it. Yeah. Because this whole time she was like, I just can't do it, I can't, blah, 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 it's fine, everything's good, or whatever. And I was like, oh, come on. And it really, like, turned me off for, you know, on Raven, and it really made me upset. Yeah. And so, it's like, I feel like this is the thing that I was waiting for, is for her to say, the reason why I didn't do it is because I was scared, and I made a mistake, and oops. And now I'm like, okay, okay. We can, like, I can start, I can start healing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, me and Raven, we can start healing now because um, I was waiting for that um confession, I feel like. Yeah, the B team is literally just hitting the wall with stuff and we start getting more monsters. And do you want to know what the, uh what the fix is? You know, there's, there's this huge thing. Their problem is that they're being digested, right? hmm And they get, like, separated from each other and they have an important conversation and then, and then it gets fixed. You know how it gets fixed? How does it get fixed? The wall just moves again. Oh. So nobody, like, did anything. No. The wall just moves. So, okay. Miller and Nyla recognized the Bardo symbol as the second dawn symbol upside down. I liked when we showed it to Brittany for the first time. She was like, yeah, it looks like the second dawn symbol upside down, but it also looks like it's burning. Yeah. Which I think was really cool. Like a big, like a phoenix. Yeah. Well, yeah, it looks like a phoenix from like upside right, but then when you turn it upside down, it looks like like the yeah, it's like pyramid is on fire. Yeah, okay. So they find the stone and they literally just leave. (laughs) That's it. Like what? Yep. I was deeply disappointed by by um by that storyline. I expected to get a lot more. Answers than I did. Uh, Basically, they just showed up, gave us questions, and then and they just left. Like we didn't get any like mythology either. Like Mm -mm, no, none. Like the episode is called Nakara, but we spend maybe 10 minutes on Nakara. Yeah. I was disappointed. But, you know what? I wasn't disappointed by the Bardo storyline. Hey. Yay! Yay! Before we talk about the Bardo storyline, let's talk about Patreon. Patreon is a service in which you can donate to some of your creators. We have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash theaficionados. If you help us out with $1 or more, um, you get early access to all of the podcasts. A lot of people say that... um. Having early access for weekly podcasts like this one is really worth it to them. So if you want to um, join before the end of the season, I think it would probably be worth it for you. Um, And if you help us out with the $5 or more, you get, uh, first of all, also early access, obviously, but, um, 10% off at shopbeluxcom which is where me and Brittany sell, um, some art to help us pay for our downtown Vancouver apartment. <laughs> um, she sells resin art and it's really, really cool and really pretty and functional. Um, and I sell fandom embroideries. I currently have, I have loads of, of designs for lots of different fandoms, um, but for the 100, I have Clark, Bellamy, Raven, Octavia, Murphy, Dioza, Monty, and Jasper, Mm -hmm. and also when this comes out, I recently put up a Marvel collection of 11 designs, so if you have a favorite Marvel superhero and you want to, you know, memorialize that in embroidery as well, I probably have it up there. So yeah, go and check that out. Both of our links are in the description and uh, they're both on shoppelux.com. So if you want to buy something from hers and something from mine, you can do it at the same time and we'll ship them together. It's great. But yeah, if you can't help us out uh, at Patreon at all, um, Shoppelux is a great way to still um, give us money and support us. Um, And you also get something really cool out of it. Um, But if Money is not something that you can do right now. I totally get it. All good. The next best thing you can do is just recommend us to a friend. Recommend this one, recommend um, any of our other podcasts to a friend. Cannot even tell you how helpful that is. So maybe pause this podcast and take a second to, you know, send something, to, so, uh, send a text to one of your friends or, you know, tweet out something um, that's recommending us. We really appreciate it. Um, so now, the moment that I assume we've all been waiting for. <laughs> I definitely have um, Bardo. Woohoo! All right, Bardo, did you want a Dioza montage? Because we sure did. <laughs> we get to see Dioza first coming to Bardo. They try to get her memories. They keep her in solitary. At some point, they have to literally tie her up because she's going crazy and attacking people. This dude is feeding her because she's tied up and can't eat herself. Um, she literally bites his neck, which doesn't count as a mention to Kane, and the dude <laughs> dies on the ground. She scoops out his eyes so she can use the eye readers and wears a dope outfit. She is a major badass. She starts attacking more guards that come towards her and when she's going to move on to the next batch, Hope takes off her helmet and they have a gorgeous, beautiful reunion with Hope, Octavia, and Dioza. They all head to the Anomaly Stone to escape, but then they see Levitt being a janitor. He got demoted for being too close to her. He tells Octavia that it was worth it because he showed her a new way to live. Hello, it's called a romance. (laughs) He tells her not to go through the stone room because there are guards waiting for them, but to take the arboretum and go outside. She punches him again to protect him, you know, the way they do. You know, how you punch your- you know, I, yeah. And they head to the oxygen plant. Once they get there, there's a sweet old man picking flowers just coming out. He tells them they shouldn't go outside because the air isn't breathable and they won't survive long. Octavia says that Levitt wouldn't lead them astray. Echoes kills the nice old man because Octavia said Levitt's name, because they're going to need him as a double agent later, which, <laughs> thank God, more Levitt content. Um, but also I'm sad about this nice old man. Gabriel doesn't want them to go outside. He thinks it's a bad idea, so he stuns everyone and they get stunned himself. And now they're all just captured again, so great. Thanks, Gabriel. Like, that was just super ineffective, sir. Yeah. Uh, I was really excited to see what the outside of this planet looks like mm-hmm. and, like, maybe find out any information about the original Bardoans, but it's fine. Like, we've gotten so much, like, stuff about Skyring and Bardo and obviously Sanctum, but, like, that's why Nakara fell so flat, because yeah. we got, like, hardly anything. Like, we got the fact that it was an ossuaryum, but then they, they handed us so many other questions that they then just, like, didn't answer. But Bardo, at this point, is the only is the one that I care the most about. And so yeah. the fact that we didn't get to go, like, learn some more about it, I was like, but wait, take me with you. <laughs> it was nice to see Dioza again. Um, and, you know, one of the main questions that I was going to bring up before we, you know, got to the end of her little montage was, like, when is this, um, like, when is this in the storyline of, you know, our other heroes? When is this happening? So it's really nice that they they, like, by the end of the montage, like, brought us into exactly when everything was happening. Right. So, like, we, this is what happens to Dioza over the entire time of what we saw with Octavia last time. Yes. Yeah. Because now Octavia has been rescued at the end of last episode, and then it just perfectly matches up here. And that's literally, it was literally just like, uh, like a month and a half, I think. For the two of them. Yeah.
1: For Dioza.
0: Yeah. Um, so she talks about Three strikes, because oh right, because Octavia goes in and out. Yeah, she she's in for like two weeks, and then she leaves for twenty four days, and then she comes back. Right, uh, and then I don't know how long, and then for another seven days, so it's like maybe two months, maybe. Okay, um, so Dioza talks about three strikes because um she gets like manhandled twice and so she says that's one that's two and then later she talks about how that's three and so now she's attacking everybody. I respect her. I respect her. She's in the MCAP but she has a different MCAP guy so that like kind of answers the question as to why like Levitt never said anything about it but it doesn't answer the question as to how Hope knew that Dioza fought it because she said a couple episodes ago that she like like definitively that Dioza fought it. So, I don't know. Yeah. She's using pain to block her memories because there's, like, spikes on the MCAT thing. So, she's, like, hitting her head with the spikes, basically, so that the only thing she's thinking about is, like, how much it hurts. So that they can't read her memories. Yep. Which is, like, what she... Like, first of all, you don't want to see Dio's... Well, first, I want to see Dio's memories. But she obviously doesn't want them to see it. But I think that the main thing that she's trying to protect is her memories of hope. Yeah. Not even, like, all the memories of her, like, on Earth being a terrorist and such. Right. Um. It's, like, mostly the hope thing, I think. Yeah. So they talk about how they have to break this one. So they drug her. They put her in solitary. There's, like, really scary loud noises and creepy camera shots. And at some point, she suddenly gets a mattress. Like, she doesn't have a mattress, but then she does. She attacks the the guards and so now she needs to be tied up and she's kind of tied up on this cross type of thing which is a season three callback and also obviously a bible reference Mm -hmm. and so she pretends that she's gonna throw up because this guy is like feeding her um and she bites the dude's neck which is a Cain reference because that's how Cain died right vincent bit his neck yeah that is how Cain dies so uh, not not pleased about it. Yeah, and also does not count as a mention of Cain. No, not at all. Even though Cain also was put on the cross. It's like here I'm like, oh wow, Dio's is so innovative. What a badass! And then I remember that that's how Cain died, and I'm like, she was friends oh, with Vincent too. Okay. She's just like, I saw how that one worked out. Ugh, I hate it. So she steals um, his eye because she needs it for the eye reader. And she steals his outfit as well, which makes her look like a like a total badass. I love her ponytail. It's so pretty. Yes. Um, but her outfit, as far as I could tell, it was a little dark, but um, it didn't have any blood on it. And he just like spurted blood all over his like yeah. uniform. And I just think that if I saw that, if I was a guard and I saw that walking down the hallway, I'd be like, mm, something's amiss here. Right. Um. So she gets out of the elevator on level one. I'm just trying to pay attention to the levels here. And someone's gotta. Then she gets the third strike, so she starts attacking everybody, and she, like, throws a knife in someone's helmet, and it turns out that it's Hope. She takes it off, and it's Hope. And I just wanted to say that knife throwing is relevant to Hope because Dev taught her how to throw knives. Oh, yeah. So I don't know if that was on purpose, but it's it's relevant. So we get a Skyrim family reunion, and Echo's kind of a jerk about it because Bellamy's dead, and so she's really upset. And you know what? I still don't think that Bellamy is dead, But if that was how they kill Bellamy, huh? Like, if we get to the end of the season and it turns out that's genuinely, like, how Bellamy died, I'm gonna be like, oh, I did not take it seriously and or mourn him at all when that happened. I I really don't think that that's how they would kill Bellamy, but you know what? I don't know about this show, so I'm really hoping Bellamy isn't dead. Like, if I know anything about storytelling, that was a red herring. Yeah. But the hundred does like to create narratives and then not follow through on them. So yeah. it's, I, I hope it's not, mm-hmm. I hope that's not what happened. Yeah. Um, so they get to the stone room and they know that there will be people inside, but they're going to go for it anyway. Cause a lot of them are quite good fighters. Um, and so we turn and we see janitor Levitt, which is obviously a reference to Bellamy having also been demoted. -hmm. To a janitor in the early season, or in season one, or before season one, even. And I think it's interesting because he would know that. He watched season one, he knows her (laughs) memories from that. So he's just like, Look at me, I'm a janitor and I have similar hair. (laughs) And so he says that there are 12 guards inside. And so this is a theory that I have that is against my wishes. (laughs) But I was wondering if he was the secret 13th. Wait, so who's the secret 13th? Levitt. Because he says that um, there's 12 of them inside and there's always a secret 13th. Although we haven't seen any secret 13s yet this season. Uh Although I assume there will be some. But I'm just worried that he, like, was planted there to say that because he's the secret 13th, like, disciple who's there. And he, like told them to go to the Arboretum or something. I don't know. I hope that's not true, but I was just thinking, how there how could there be a secret 13th here? I don't know. Let's not talk about it anymore, because I don't want it to be true. <laughs> yeah. But are there- so are there secret 13ths in- like, do the other- do the people on this planet know about level 13, or is, like, yeah. level 13, like, a secret from even the people on this planet? I don't know, because there's been 12 and then secret 13ths or, like, extra, like, 13s all over this show- But, but, you know, they've been giving us 12, 12, 12 all over this season, but we haven't gotten any secret 13s yet, even though there's been secret 13s all over the series. So I'm just like, whenever they tell me 12, I keep thinking there's going to be some sort of secret 13th. Right. Okay. Even though we haven't seen any this season. And so I was like, how can this be a secret 13th? Because obviously he said the word 12. Except for the symbols on Hope's face. Right. My next thing was like, if there are 12 guards in there... Clark and Co like if if it if it's gonna be the around the same time Clark and Co are just gonna walk straight into that oof with 12 guards or like I hope it's a different time but like If there are 12 guards in there, yikes. So he tells them to go through the Arboretum. There are some stairs that they can take, and the guards won't follow them because it's not survivable. And he says that, yeah, he got demoted, but he's still on the code-breaking team. And she's like, oh, yeah, of course. And I'm like, have we talked about the code-breaking team before? Right, like, is this something to do with, like, the war? I was like, I didn't think that we had talked about the code-breaking team before, but she seemed like, oh, yeah, totally. Like, I, I know what those words mean. Yeah, I'm like, what codes are you breaking? Like, is that... Is, is it, like, a code to get to, like, you use the Anomaly Stone and you put in different codes to go to different planets? Mm-hmm. You have to break the code to, like, figure out, like, I don't know. That's just what I was thinking when, when he said that, but I'm, I'm interested. Yeah, and then he says things like, the way you made me feel. Okay. And these sort of things. He's, like, all about it. And she, like, touches his face and he does that thing where he, like, you know, like, he, like, leans oh. into it. Yeah, or, like, or like even, like, he goes, like, away from it a little bit. And, dude is smitten. <laughs> And then he just gets punched again, and he's like, you know what? That's okay. Yeah. I'm into it. Um, so then they say that the prisoners, like, on the PA system, they say that the prisoners were last seen on level 12 by the ward. So level 12 on the map said that it was the Lab 2 power plant. Wh- why are- they keep changing the levels on me, and I don't know- because they- I thought they were seen on the stone room. Because they were right at the stone room. That's the last place they were right. seen. Well, but then they go to the Arbor- like, they, they go to the- they, they run into that old man. Yeah, but that's what- the arboretum supposed to be on level one or something? Oh, dear. The levels are really confusing. So the dude shows up, and he has flowers, and, um, an arboretum, by definition, is exclusively trees, so yep. I don't know where you got those flowers, but I respect you. They like, basically just, like, let's give him flowers so that we feel bad for him. Like, you can call it, like, a- A garden. A garden, or, like, a, a greenhouse. Yeah. Or, you know... But Arboretum... (laughs) Arboretum is just trees. trees. Um, Like, when I looked it up, the word exclusively was used. (laughs) So, I see three symbols on his face. At least three. Mm -hmm. So, I guess, like... And he's older. So, I guess you don't have to ascend the levels if you don't want to. Or you don't ascend the levels if you're, like, not at a certain caliber or something. But it's clear that, like, the older you are doesn't have anything to do with what level you're at. Okay. He says you can't go outside without rebreathers. So that sounds like something that, like, you go outside and then you, like, breathe into it. Like it recycles your oxygen or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, And he says that that's the same thing that happened to the Bardoans. They went extinct, but it would probably take longer. So, okay. But, like, Why? Um, Octavia says Levitt's name, and they still need him as a resource, and she says that she trusts him. <laughs> I'm like, bring him back. I mean, the fact that, like, I'm glad that they didn't leave Bardo, because I'm just like, but wait! But you're friends. friend! But don't leave him! Um, so Echo has to kill the nice old man, and, you know, I see why she had to do it, and you know what, maybe that one's on Octavia a little bit. And Octavia obviously feels really bad about it afterwards. Right. But they gave us, they gave him flowers just so that we would be, we would feel bad for him. Right. And so it kind of does feel like Echo keeps killing people for no reason. They're kind of trying to make her villainous in this way. Yeah. Um, by by killing a nice old man who's just having who just has flowers and who like helped them, you know? Yeah. I don't love it. Like, yeah. Um, so Gabriel says that it's too dangerous, and so he engages the non-lethal weapon and he like stuns them and he gets stunned himself why why would he let them get caught like Like, why don't why don't we just run into the arboretum and like try and hide like what was the reason like why why are we he's like genuinely wanting them to get captured rather than go outside which is like fine but why don't we just like keep running then yeah i don't or like go back to the like go into the arboretum and then like come back to the stone room when it's better or something i don't know but i was like i'm not with you here gabriel i don't know it's just very odd. Yeah. Like, what was... Why was why did he do it? And... Like, they, their best bet was to go outside, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, they're gonna all get, like, mind-probed now and yeah. tortured. I'm interested in seeing more of Dio's memories, Gabriel's memories, or Hope's memories. Mm-hmm. If we can get more Dev, that'd be great, because I have some questions still about <laughs> Dev. Let me see if I can... Let's look at my, uh, my list of questions and see if we can answer any of them what happened to colin still no how does orlando know who hope is if she's been gone for hundreds of years we talked about that but we still don't really have an answer Mm -hmm. what law did dev break would love to see that in hope's memories maybe well would it be oh well he might have told her yeah but like we wouldn't have like seen him break the law right i would like to see someone break the law yeah like, I, I want more, I want more backstory for Bardo. Like, what if, we, like, she went to Bardo, and then they're like, hey, don't be on penance, and they brought her here, and then she, like, did something bad, like Dioza. She, like, yeah. bites that guy, and she's like, hey, you're in trouble, we're gonna send you to, <laughs> we're gonna send you to Skyring. <laughs> She'd be like, oh no, no. Really? Very, uh, like, Patch uh, yeah. situation. Yeah. Um, what's the difference between the Master and the shepherd? Still don't know. Hope knew that Dioza fought the MCAP before, before, like, she went with Hope and Echo and Gabriel. Still don't really know about that. Why is Clark the key? Still don't know. Um, why were there 13 symbols on Hope's face? Still don't know. So not a lot of questions answered. Uh, on this episode hopefully next episode more questions but I heard that it has a lot of Sanctum content so maybe not but ah. hopefully something um, now it's time for segments my first segment is the post-apocalyptic sass watch which is our favorite line award mine goes to Murphy and Indra for this line that was apparently um, improvised by our friend Richard he said release watch no He's just a nosy kid. He, he just, he's just nosy. That's all. That's all. That's just exactly how I would have reacted, so (laughs) I respect him. Yeah. And my favorite line award goes to Dioza at the end of her, um, opening montage, where she's just like, and I'm just like, you know what? That was the best four minutes of the episode, (laughs) and, uh, you deserve a, you deserve a shout out, ma'am. My, my segments, I have multiple. Me too. (laughs) My first segment is uh did anyone mention Kane and Abby this week? And the answer is no. There were like allusions to Kane, but like that doesn't count. It doesn't count, especially if the allusions to Kane were, were terrible. how he died or how he was tortured that one time yeah. and it, we're just reusing those things to kill and torture other people. Yeah. Doesn't count. My next segment is the most valuable protagonist award, so this week's MVP I'm gonna give it to Diosa. Woo! yay good job (laughs) (laughs) and my next segment is what is sam shipping the most this week and uh this week my favorite relationship dynamic slash scene was the reunion between Mm -hmm. hope and uh her mother yeah that's good stuff and if i could just give a quick honorable mention to uh love tavia (laughs) again i'm still here i'm still kicking so just like if you guys want to make that happen, I would not be opposed. Just, uh, yeah, just let me know. I mean, that face touch was real tender. It was, bro. When I was rewatching it, I was like, wait. <laughs> like, whoa. When we, were, when we were watching it, I was like, did, did they for? Did they do that for Robin? Is it for me? Thank you. It was me. So nice. <laughs> um, how many episodes since the last murder? Shut up about it. Lots of murder. Well, One. Wait, yeah. Lots of murder. Yeah. Mostly in the just in the Bardo storyline though. I don't think anyone got murdered in Sanctum or mm-hmm. Nakara. Yeah, just in Bardo. Just in but Bardo, like, but it was a bunch. Multiple yeah. burners in Bardo. Now it's time for our trailer reaction. Can someone explain to me why Nikki is called Nikki Bang Bang again? She says Bang Bang like that to Raven. She says, "Tell Raven Bang Bang." Oh. Okay. Yeah, that's it. So it's it's not like a nickname or a last name. It's just something uh, she said once and now it is a nickname. I guess so. And it, it I don't know if it's a nickname because she always says bang bang, but I don't think we've ever heard her It's say not a nickname that. in canon, it's a nickname that fandom gave her, right? I because guess she said so. it in Okay. I don't remember if she said it in seven oh one, but I don't think she did. Three, two, one, play. If I can give these people I'm like, just let them play concert. soccer. I love Amori. I would die for sure. Wh- where is the anomaly lighting up this destroy time? Your soul. So. God. Echo and Octavia are going to throw down. Jeez. this It feels like this one had more than it usually does. For the trailer? Yeah, for the trailer. So, okay, so first of all, this is the episode that Lindsay directed, so way to go, Lindsay. Kudos, Lindsay. So we see the kids, like, playing soccer. Um, Amori is... I think saying to Jackson, basically just like, I f- feel good about being a Prime because I'm helping people. I think she's walking up to Maddie and everybody just seems like really happy and nice, which is great. Oh, yeah, it is Jackson. Yeah, we see the anomaly. Russell is playing chess, which makes sense because Gambit is a chess term. And obviously Queen is one of the chess pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, Nikki comes in with the guns. Obviously, she is the one that stole them. <laughs> um, We get Echo, who has she's she doesn't she's not a Nightblood, right? It looks like she has like like her face has like black blood on it. Well, they turned her into Nightblood last season. Remember? No, tell me. Didn't Riker turn her into a Nightblood to like steal her, and that's why? Oh we yeah, got she was going to be the line? she was the one who was going to be Simone, right? But then they than they used Abby. Yeah, okay, never mind, yes. Okay, so her face is all bloody, and maybe if they, maybe if they, like, test her, we'll know if she's, like, clean or not, and we'll know if mom's theory came true. Yeah, um, so then we see Dioza, like, putting Hope in a chokehold for some reason. There's probably, they probably, like, lock them up in, like, rooms, like, two by two. Yeah. So, it's probably gonna be, like, Hope Hope and and uh, and Dioza, Dioza, Octavia and Echo, and then, Then they're going to take Gabriel away because they're going to be like, why did you, like, let us... Because he's the one who, like, did this and they need to know why. Yeah. Maybe maybe they can probe his memories more easily than the rest because he came willingly. Nikki punching Imori with Nelson in the background... We just got, like, some shots of, like, some guards and stuff. And then Nelson putting a gun to Imori's head, even though he knows that she's not one of the Primes. Let me hear what Nikki says to him. What? Something about killing people, but I'm not sure exactly what it is. And this is why we need subtitles the first time we watch. (laughs) Yeah, looks crazy. Okay. (laughs) Sure. All All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Please, if you are so inclined, write us a review on iTunes. We like those, and we also have a survey. It's just perpetually open. It's in the description. We'd love to hear some things that you like with the podcast, some things that you think we could work on. Um, and if you don't feel like writing a whole ass review, um, go ahead and just do those little stars. Those also help. If you're a fan of Riverdale, we like to talk about that show too. We've covered every episode that exists, and it's hilarious. Go check it out. Yeah, even if you haven't seen the show, you can listen to it, and uh, hopefully it makes sense. <laughs> uh, let us know your thoughts and opinions. If you're a fan of Lost, we like to talk about that show too. We did the first two seasons and the um, third season. Uh, comes out at the beginning of July, and I'm really excited to start doing season three. It's one of my favorite seasons of the show, and like I said before, it is spoiler-free. So um, feel free to check it out, even if you're just watching for the first time. If you're a fan of Star Trek, we have a podcast about Star Trek Picard. We have covered the entire first season. We have a roundtable out now, and uh, we're going to... Cover some more Star Trek content in the future if you want to check that out. If you're a fan of Stranger Things, we'd like to talk about that show too. We did the first season and we are taking up all of 2020 to do season two. We are almost halfway done. It's like weird because now when I look at what episode of Stranger Things... We're, we finished. I'm just like, that's how far into the year we are, and it's ridiculous that we're almost halfway done, when it feels like nothing has happened. Oh, um, yeah. But we are taking all of 2021 to do tw- uh, Season 3, and then hopefully we'll have some Season 4 to talk about in 2021 or 2022. That'd be great. <laughs> uh, here. Uh, follow the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, uh, mostly... Twitter, but uh, Robin makes gifts of our favorite line awards on Tumblr, so go give her some love, please. I know Tumblr is obsolete, but I still have fun making gifts. Why'd they make Tumblr obsolete as soon as I learned how to make gifts? (laughs) Our Patreon is patreon.com slash theaficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because, oh boy, it's expensive. It's expensive. So from $1 uh, or more a month, you can get early access. $5 or more, you get um, 10% off at shoppelux.com. But if you don't want to help us out on Patreon, just checking out shopbylux.com. All those links are in the description. That's another way that you can help us out and also get something cool out of it. But if you can't help us out with money at all, that's totally okay. The next best thing you can do is recommend us to a friend. I cannot tell you enough how helpful that is please do so thank you you can follow me on twitter at at sam casey's which is s-a-m-c-a-s-e-y-s uh i just talk about television and um social justice <laughs> you can follow me personally at robin e jeffrey that's r-o-b-y-n-e-j-e-f-f-r-e-y pretty much everywhere i don't even know what i tweet about anymore Rumerdale ended <laughs> now what it's true i'm uh, mostly complaining i guess <laughs> who knows hi birdie yeah. Oh, yeah. Hi, Birdie. That's my uh, that's my um, embroidery company. And uh, please check out my Marvel designs that by the time this comes out, they'll have come out. Um, so if you like Marvel, check that out. Embroidery. Um, Our next episode is episode seven oh seven. It's called the Queen's Gambit. Um, Clark was referred to as the Queen. This episode, I don't know if that's going to have anything to do with anything, but uh, a gambit is a chess opening in which a player risks one or more pawns or a minor piece to gain an advantage in position. Um, Russell used chess like when he was like talking about the Queen and such. So very chess oriented. I think this, uh, at least the title is with that phrasing. I am interested in seeing if someone on Sanctum, whether it be Amori or Nikki as their queen, mm-hmm. risks the lives of, like, some little people to gain power. And same thing on Bardo. With right. Clark or Octavia. Yeah, it'd be interesting if the queen is actually Amori. And, you know, I was worried that they were going to kill Amori earlier this season, and I wonder if maybe this is how they kill Amori. I'm I hope not. not. Well, not if she's having a baby. I know. That's, I don't <laughs> want that. Well, that's, what, that's the thing is that they're going to be like, oh no, Amori, you're dying. And she's going to be like, I was pregnant. And we're going to be like, oh, well, okay. Well, bye. <laughs> <laughs> no. See you both later then. No. <laughs> <laughs> don't kill her. Don't give them a baby. Yeah. Just I don't, I don't want you to kill her and I don't want a baby. Just uh, let them exactly. relax. Yeah. The, the, the baby train has sailed. Yeah. The we, Cabby fandom was into it, we had Dioza have a baby, the, the train Harper, has sailed. Harper had a baby, Harper Dioza had a baby. had a baby, and what was the other one? Here. Oh, and Maddie also? Kathy? Either way, they can't do babies on this show. Like, like you can't do a- you can't have they, a baby. They just immediately turn them into an adult. They so. floor it until they're 20, so like, it, we don't need one. So, don't, I mean, do, it is, don't do that. I mean, it is the last season, so if they wanted to, like, pop out a baby in the finale, and they're yeah, like, sure. oh, the circle of life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> okay, love you, bye! Okay, love you, bye!